This is the AdCast. AdCast. The professor of pricing. Blair ends. If you can't earn a profit above and beyond like what you pay yourself, that's a sign that the world doesn't really value what you do. Value what you do. The one and only. Mr. Mr. Chris Dono. When people are like, hey, aren't you going to post something? And aren't you concerned about the algorithm or the blue tick? I'm like, who cares? Like, they seem to care more about it than I do. It's like, I don't really care, man. This is the AdCast with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, everyone, I want to welcome you to the AdCast. And what a better way to kick it off than to have this industry titan on the phone or a lucky general on the phone, Mr. Andy uh, from the Lucky Generals. Uh, I want to give him definitely a round of applause in here and uh, tell everybody a little bit about Andy. He is no stranger at all to the marketing and creative industry. You've probably seen or heard some of his work. And if you've seen the Super Bowls, you've probably seen his latest work about Alexa reading your mind. And that comes from the creative genius of the Lucky Generals as well. And Mr. Andy on the phone. Uh, they have some offices in New York and also in London. And he's actually in London uh, talking to us right now. Andy, say hi to the audience, man. Hi, everyone. Thanks very much for having me uh, on the show. <laughs> so, man, Andy, it's good to have you, man. We got a lot to unpack, man. Uh, you're a busy guy. You're a busy guy. Um, you know, I, I started reading about how you guys actually just kind of walked out and said, you know, this isn't how agencies are supposed to be anymore. And you kind of went on your own. I want to get into that. But first, I want people to know exactly who you are, if you don't mind telling them. Yeah, sure. So I guess I should explain my funny accent, um, which might be unfamiliar to uh, some of you. I'm from Scotland originally, um, although I've not lived there for about 30 years. Um and um, I sort of stumbled into advertising by accident, really. I, I was studying law uh, at uh, university at college, and I figured I didn't really want to be a lawyer. And so someone suggested that I should, uh, you know, if, if I liked putting the facts forward and, you know, telling a story on behalf of a client, but I wanted to do right. it in a maybe more creative um, sort of fashion, then I should try advertising. So I sort of fell into that by accident and found I really liked it. And so I've worked in agencies, mostly in the UK, uh, mostly in London, but I, I had a little stint in um, San Francisco at Goodby's, Silverstein, uh, which I loved. Um, had my first kid out there. So I've got a, a kid with an right. uh, American passport. And uh, I think he, he's always telling me that he's eligible for president when he's, uh, I think you've got to be 35 and born right. in the States. Andy, he's so, right. He's uh, right, Andy. So he's going to take over the world and watch out for him in 15 years' time. Um, and, uh, yeah, ever since then, we, you know, we've been working in agents in London and then set up Lucky Generals about nine years ago with two very good friends of uh, mine. So having lots of fun. Man, that's awesome, Andy. Now, you said you actually were studying law. So what a change going from law to going into advertising and creative. I mean, uh, you, you just said, like, you just like to be able to tell that story. I mean, um, how, how is that transition for you? I mean, were, were the parents like, no, Andy, you have to continue being a lawyer or, or be a lawyer. Don't be an ad guy or a creative guy. I mean, what was that like for you? Do you know, it was, it was good because my, my parents were really good. They, they didn't, they didn't know anything about law. None, none of my family had anything to do with uh, the law and none of them knew anything about advertising. So they just sort of said, do whatever you like. And, you know, the funny thing was I spoke to my tutor who was a law tutor and I was explaining, you know, why, you know, I did like lots of things about the law, um, but, but that I wanted to do it in a more creative setting. And it was, it was my tutor that said, why don't you try um, 
uh, advertising. But what's mm -hmm. what's interesting about this guy, he's a, and I don't know if he's as well known in the States, but my law tutor was a professor called um, Alexander McCall Smith. Now, he, he's now one of the best-selling authors in the world. He, he quit his job not long after that, and he's now sold 60 or 70 million copies of his various wow. novels, including a, a series of detective um, stories set in um, Botswana. Um, mm. So he's like, you know, just the next level down from J.K. Rowling and, you know, Stephen King and people like that. Um, so I like to think that I sort of played a role in his uh, career change. Uh, maybe he sort of had his career chat with me and thought, hey, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to leave the law and do something more creative. Right. So maybe I played a tiny little part in his success story too. Uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, I want to go back to something you were talking about, how you founded Lucky Generals with your partners. Um, you have a pretty interesting story that's on the website uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that. You know, it just said back in 2003, you said back then it was just three friends. It was Helen, you and Danny. Right. Uh, and right. you guys were sitting in a pub and then you guys just talked about how old agency model was broken and you set out to create something different. I mean, uh, one, what were you drinking? And then how did that come about, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, how did you guys go to like, you know, this is just not working and what was it about the old agency model that you said it's not working anymore? Um, well, I can remember this very vividly. We were in a pub called the Bleeding Heart, um, and I guess I don't know if that's again got the same significance, but it's sort of like Bleeding Heart Liberal, I guess, is a is a phrase over here. So we were, and we're all probably that is probably quite a good um, maybe description of us, the three of us, and we've all known each other for a long time. We'd worked together for a long time before that, and we cared about the same sort of things. Mm -hmm. And over quite a large quantity of red wine, it has to be said, <laughs> um, we started figuring out that, yeah, we'd, while we worked for like some really good agencies, they were sort of big network, traditional agencies. Everything was being done in silos. And it was at that time, so this was 2013, when, when people were sort of creating divisions of things, like, you know, people were setting up digital agencies or yeah. social media agencies or tech agencies and everything was a bit, you know, compartmentalized. And we just sort of thought so everything's digital, everything's social, everything's content and PR, you know, that's, it's just all the same stuff. We shouldn't sort of be super specialist about it. And, and also let's have some fun because like, it feels like, you know, and this is even more true maybe today that the, the industry wasn't being much fun. And because we really like working with each other and we're mates, we thought, well, let's just do our own thing and definitely have lots of fun uh, doing it too. And it's sort of uh, proven right along the way. No, I agree with you. I had a good friend. He actually said something along those same lines. It wasn't nine years ago, but we, we had this conversation too. And he said, you know what? He said the ad agency model will die. He said the future is going to be strategic partnerships is what he said amongst agencies. If you, if you remember years and years ago, it was one agency did everything for one client. And now agencies yep. have to pay, play really nice in the sandbox with other people. Like you talked about the silos. You may have the digital agency, right? They're, they're great at that. You might have the social shop, and then you might have the creative shop. I mean, is that kind of the shift that you're seeing? And then how does Lucky Generals fit into that? I think agencies do tend to somehow, sometimes say that they can do everything and, and probably not do a good job of it. And what where our sweet spot, I think, is the development of the big sort of strategic idea and the big creative idea, you know, the brand platform, whatever you want to call it. And then 
bring that to life through things like advertising, but also, you know, PR, social and content. So that kind of, you know, the sort of ideas that are hard to define what exactly they are. Um, right. Then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we probably are not the best people to go and get. You know, we're, we're probably not going to be your best agency for tons and tons of, I don't know, performance marketing or email driven marketing or, or, or huge amounts of experiential. We might do one-off stunts and experiences and things like that, but we, we like to sort of operate at the big sort of big strategic ideas and then big, interesting, cool, creative moments. And then we, yeah, we work with other people and partners that do all the other stuff much better. Mm-hmm. Um, our first idea was, it was funny. I think this is pretty indicative. Our first idea that we ever ran was, um, a campaign against homophobia in British soccer, uh, which is a big mm. problem. All these players, everyone's scared of coming out. There's never, nobody's ever come out. And we had a very small budget um, campaign that involved um, giving out rainbow laces to uh, all 5,000 football players in the, in the country and then getting you know um, fans and the media and everybody else to sort of get behind this idea, encourage the players to wear the laces, Right. Um, and to share their support on social media, and it was, a, and so it was kind of hard to define what that idea was. I mean, it was literally um, marketing on a shoestring, um, badoom. Uh, so, but um, it was kind of was it a PR idea or a social idea? Or a, I guess it was a bit of advertising. It was a product, I guess, as well because we sold the laces. Um, but we, I think, I think an agency is quite often defined by its first few pieces of work. So that was mm-hmm. quite a helpful thing for us to sort of start life with wow. because people you know, says oh yeah they're the guys that did the rainbow laces thing and it's now like an absolute institution in the uk it's been running for seven or eight years and it's been a storyline in the country's biggest soap opera and all that kind of stuff so it's it, it's that sort of stuff makes us you know get out of bed in the morning no that's that's awesome but like let's just say like uh with an idea like that with the the rainbow shoelaces uh, what how do clients perceive that when you come up with a concept and it may be different from, you know, their core values or what they are, they may be very traditional in their approach. Right. Um, but then you may have an idea that may be so much today and tomorrow, but they want to continue to be the people of yesterday. So how, how do you, how do you cross that bridge with them? How do you cross that bridge with a, with a client, Andy? So what I think the first thing is we don't work with that many clients. Like we, we've never wanted to have a, the hugest client list um, because we're probably, again, not right for a lot of companies. So we might not be right for very traditional companies that don't want to change. So we might not work with them in the first place. And so we say no an awful lot. Um, and we when we set up, we had this idea that we wanted to be a creative company for people on a mission. And um, that seems to be quite a good way of screening out people that, you know, uh, either want to change the world in some way or don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by and large, the companies that we work with are people who are already quite up for doing something more interesting. And then if we if we come up with an idea that's, um, uh, you know, a little bit crazy or hard to define, then I think we, we try and sort of work really closely with them, uh, allay any fears and sort of make them realise don't worry, we've done this before. So having a good track record also helps because right. you kind of point to stuff you've done in the past. Um, and and then also just encouraging them to see, you know, sometimes having something that's got a bit of risk attack, you know, feeling nervous about stuff is, is a good feeling in a way because I feel like 
the best ideas, you do feel a little bit of um, scaredness. You know, it's never yeah, good if yeah. you just if you're just presenting stuff. You think, well, this this is all right, and there's probably no risk of it failing, but there's no risk of it going massive either. You know, it's quite nice mm. to have a bit of tension, and so it's managing the tension. I think managing the and and as I say, past track record gets more and more helpful along the way. I think on that. Uh, you, you you open up a great segue um, and very proud of what you've done so far and also seeing like, you know, you have 100 employees well, that work with you and you guys actually call them generals as well. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but you talked about the mission and there's there's a statement that came out and you said we do our best work for people who want to make a dent in the universe. Tell, tell me about that. I mean, does that kind of kind of help your selection process to say like, OK, we can only work with this client or we want to work with this client? Yeah, sure. I think that, you know, I think that's a Steve Jobs quote that we've um, stolen, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, that's right. That's exactly what we say. And it means that um, when we have the, our very first, you know, chemistry meetings with clients to find out if we're going to get along together, if they, some clients really lean in when we say that, you know, we're a creative company for people on a mission. They, they're, they're banging the table and they tell us, yeah, we want to do this, we want to do that. Um, other clients, you know, sit back and they feel a bit nervous or which is fine if you know um they might not have cracked their mission yet um but if if they really are against the idea of having one if they say look all we want to do is grow sales by five percent this right, year right then we're probably not gonna do a great job for them because if, if they it's fine if they say look we don't we know we we do what do want to do something a bit bigger in the universe but we're not quite sure what it is can you help us figure it out then that's that's fantastic but if, if they're just very narrow-minded and sort of only want to keep things ticking along mm -hmm. then that's we probably will politely say no at that point and what's no, what's interesting is, is, is sometimes surprises you how what and this is why we sort of said it's for people on a mission not companies on a mission so sometimes all you need is one person that's like super they've got to have a be relatively senior but that, that really wants to do something and they can help change their whole organization do you know what i mean like sometimes you can yeah, absolutely um company like that that rainbow laces idea came from a betting company like when we first met them we can they wouldn't be high on our list of companies that we necessarily want to work with but this guy was like an absolute force of nature that he truly believed in it sincerely he wanted to do something they make a lot of money out of soccer he wanted to put something back and then we, we just loved that individual. You know, individuals can do a lot of things if they're in the right places and organizations. So we always have a coffee and we see what they're like. Well, you know, Will Smith said something a long time ago. I was watching an interview. You probably know Will Smith, the actor. He said um, right. that he actually auditioned and or he had a read for The Matrix uh, when it first began. And then it was actually key. He turned it down. It was Keanu Reeves. And he said, that's the one project that he said he kind of, you know, kicked himself for not taking. Has there ever been a project that you said, man, I wish we had taken that project and you turned it down? Oh my goodness, that's such a good question. I bet there is. Um, uh, let me let me think, I might, um, I'm gonna have to think about that. I can't, I, I might come back <laughs> to that at the end because it's a brilliant question. You know, I immediately went to things that we had turned down and we were very glad about afterwards. When we before we started, we were offered a big financial services company. It was a loans company. Mm -hmm. um, and they were going to give us a bit of business for a really big sum of money um, without a pitch. Uh, but 
when we spoke to them. So we again we did the meeting because who knows they might you know surprise us by being very mission driven, but it sound it felt a little bit wasn't quite right because they um, they it felt like they were sort of targeting sort of maybe disadvantaged groups and trying to get them to take on more loans oh. than they than, than they should really be taking on, and we didn't like the taste of it. So it was it was a funny thing though because but again really helpful because um, we'd not even set up you know so we 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 were. At this point, you know, we had no salaries, no clients, no anything. So it's sort of a little bit tempting to just take the money and get off to a great start. But we said no, and we never really looked back on that, um, regretting that. that we, we're always really glad that we did um, make that decision. But I'm going to have to think about where have we, where have we said no to something and it's and it's turned good. Um, you know, actually, there's a there's a sort of uh, there's there's an, there, no, I'm going to think about that. I'm, I'm, I'm but, but still, I think, you know, turning down that project is still good because you chose purpose over profit. So it's still good. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely want to come back to that question because I want to know if there's one that you actually turned down, you know, that you wish you had just said that's the one that got away. I, I had someone yeah. on LinkedIn the other day. Um, and this person I, they had interviewed with me years and years ago before we really, you know, started to get off the ground. And, and I, um, I didn't think like, Hey, this person could be really useful, but now I see them doing all these amazing things. And I'm like, that's the one that got away from me. You know, that's the one that yeah. got away from me. And like, man, I wish I was, um, I wish I was in a different headspace when I interviewed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, totally. so Andy, like, um, let's talk about like creative today and there's companies like, you know, Apple and one that you work with like Amazon, where do you see creative, like, where do you see it going? Because right now everyone's, you know, being very safe. Um, and, and also everyone's trying to speak to, um, I, I find them not just speaking to the masses anymore, but they're speaking to people, you know? Um, so where do you see creative going? That's a big question. I mean, I guess, um, I guess one of the things that's happened over the last two years is that communications have become very serious. And I know why that's the case. Obviously, it's been tough times in the world um, yeah. and lots of serious stuff to talk about. But I feel like it's sometimes a mistake to uh, to then literally say that we've got to be serious too as brands. Not that every, you know, not I'm not saying that we should all be fun, fun and funny or uh, use comedy all the time either. But it's it's kind of odd that, you know, actually what a lot of the time we need in the world when things are tough is is a smile on our faces yeah. and you know if you look at the super bowl for instance more recently um where i think there was a lot of funny advertising for for the first time in a few years but we sort of treat that as the exception you know it's a funny sort of business where we kind of say well let's do something great and funny for the super bowl but then right. get back to being really boring serious stuff that people don't like um, for the rest of the year. And that, that always puzzles me because like on the Super Bowl, you get, as you will know, you get people almost watching the game to watch the ads. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's really the only uh, time we look forward to commercials. That's it. Uh, that, like, like I tell people, exactly. people don't like commercials. They don't like commercials. Yeah. The only time they're looking yeah. for it is to, I mean, uh, let's just say like tomorrow night. Is anyone saying, hey, did you see the, the commercials in Thursday night's primetime on on, on the network television? No, but we're looking for ads in the Super Bowl. I mean, we, everyone becomes a critic. 
of the work. Of course. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. Definitely. And so I sort of think, um, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of a, it's funny that the industry doesn't realize then, oh, wait, how could we create that effect all year round? Why? You know, because the rest of the year, like you say, people don't want to watch ads. We block them, you know, um, we skim and skip them. And, uh, you know, maybe we, maybe the Super Bowl shouldn't be this anomaly that we're, we, we, we get ourselves to do great work one day a year and then, um, you know, boring stuff the rest of the year. So I feel like we should, we should perhaps remember some of the principles of, of that kind of world, you know, be, be more entertaining, be more fun. Don't start from the premise that anyone's interested in our brands. Most people, like you say, are not, we've all got bigger things on in our lives mm -hmm. and we don't care about brands and I don't want to think about them. You know, I don't necessarily even want a relationship with them, you know, which is, something we tell ourselves that everyone, you know, wants. And, and because we spend all our time in marketing, you know, uh, obsessed by our product and all its technical yep. details and all the rest of it, um, we, we sort of imagine that everyone else is going to be interested and they're so not. So um, uh, I'm hoping that there might be a turn in that direction. But, but if not, we, we don't care because we do a lot of work that is quite fun. <laughs> and so maybe it's good for our business if, People don't realize that. That's true. Uh, you, you bring up a good point. Like uh, we used a Super Bowl to kind of bring out like some of our best work. Uh, and and I, I'm almost comparing that to like like uh, uh, like the Easter holiday. It's like the one time where a lot of people go to church, <laughs> you know, like in yeah, yeah, that's right. you, you know what I mean? So it's like it, maybe we yeah. should, you know, be consistent with great creative or blockbuster creative, you know, at least six or even 10 times a year versus that one time a year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Um, it, it is, do you know, I've thought of an answer to, I've got two answers now, I think for your regrets. Um, I've had a few mm. questions. Uh, so what about, um, the first one was, uh, take away food. Um, so over here, and I guess it's maybe the same in the States where there's, 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 there've been some huge brands built on, um, you know, sort of ordering takeaway food, pizzas, you know, curries, any yeah. uh, cuisine, all the rest of it to your door online. And, uh, and we, in our early days turned down, um, something, uh, well, a couple of brands actually that, that have all, and that whole sector has now taken off. It's absolutely massive in this country. Oh, it's and massive. been there's a massive still states do, yeah. and that's obviously the way that the whole industry is going. And of course, it was even more so in the you know pandemic. And if we'd had a, a brand and uh, you know that was in that world already, that that would have been very very helpful. But at the time, it didn't feel oh. feel quite as um, we were wondering how they were going to make money. And actually, a lot of those businesses still don't make money, so maybe we're not wrong. But um, anyway, that would have been that's something to kick ourselves. And the thing that we really kick ourselves about is that we never. Every single year, we have talked about investing in Amazon because we work with them, obviously, and we know mm -hmm. them, how good they are. And every year we tell ourselves, yeah, but it's, it's, it's already peaked. You know, the value has gone up so much. It can't go up oh, any further. And every single year we kick ourselves and think, oh, my God, what have we done? <laughs> and look at what Amazon just did with actually doing Thursday night football. Um, so yeah. that's, that's going to help their brand. And then you see like Apple, they just launched a Tuesday night baseball. Um, so, I mean, yeah. you know, creative is coming from different parts now. Um, you know, yeah. one thing I wanted to bring up to you is, 
uh, you know, I was looking through a magazine and you remember years ago when you look in a magazine, everyone who was in that magazine was perfect. They were a perfect model, perfect yeah. hands, teeth, you know, size. And, you know, according to whomever would say that's perfect. But nowadays it is not that people want to use perfect people for ads anymore because it almost takes out yeah. the, the, the realism out of it. You, do you, do you see that happening and that becoming more of a, a creative trend, Andy? Yeah, definitely. I think people, people are much more savvy now, you know, and in today's world, because we know the stories behind um, advertising and how, how it's created and we understand that things are airbrushed. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of incredible that that's just happened in the last sort of, you know, 10, 15 years, perhaps. Yeah. Um, when, our, when our parents were growing up, I guess they thought that all those film stars, those movie stars really did look that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't realize how they'd been lit and how they'd been sort of, uh, their images had been perfected. And, and now mm -hmm. we're a bit more knowledgeable about, about it. And I think the same goes for companies as well. Like we know that a company can be telling us one thing and seeing how good they are on, you know, uh, diversity or, um, you know, representation of certain groups or things like that. But then we yeah. might find out, hold on a second, that they're not as good as that. And so you you can't hide the truth anymore as a company. We're, we, we've got the truth at our fingertips. We can very easily find out what um, wow. the reality is. And I think, I think so, so companies are maybe realizing that we, we know that the world isn't perfect and, and perhaps we need to cast more, uh, you know, more like real people, um, uh, you know, yeah, rather sure. than sort of uh, the classic sort of uh, perfection that they were chasing before, which is, which is good. No, that is good. When, when you when you look at creative, Andy, are you able to separate yourself um, to become a viewer? Or are you always in creative mode to say, I would have done this this different me? Because, you know, I, I used to be in restaurants before I got into marketing. And, and so it was hard for me to go out to eat, you know, because it was like, you know, yeah. they could have done this, you know. Is it hard for you yeah, to separate yourself funny. from creative? Yeah, you know, it is a little bit because you're already, you're always, um, I'm, I'm the annoying dad and my kids are, you know, wanting to fast forward the ads, you know, when we're watching. And I, I said, no, no, you know, let, let's just watch these ads. This is what paid for the house, you know. This is right, all, right, right. This is all the fun stuff. Um, so I guess I am. I mean, I try to, what you've always got to do is, is realize that you're, for a lot of stuff, you're not the target market. So sometimes what I think about something doesn't really make you know, any difference because it's that mm -hmm. I'm not who they're selling to. So I try and, I do try and step out of that aspect and, you know, talk to people in the, you know, in the, in the target market. And, you know, I think just generally speaking to real people, um, is a good thing for people in, in ad agencies, um, you know, that we're, often we live in these ivory towers um, and, you know, we're in a big city or we're, we're surrounded by people who are like us and just, you know, chatting to ordinary people about um, what they like is, is keeps you a bit more real, I guess. Man, uh, are, are there some campaigns right now that you see that you're like, wow, this is just great. Um, and, and, and what are some of those brands? Like, uh, let's just say for an example, like, uh, uh, we've all watched a brand like Apple, you know, and notice I said brand, not the logo or just the design brands like Apple and, and how they've become like so much part of our lives. And then we see how they market themselves. Are there some brands that really impress you with the way that they market Andy? Yeah, I think, you know, something like Apple is amazing because um, they've been so consistently great over the years. 
And yet sometimes their advertising sort of changes from campaign to campaign. They don't have, you know, it's, it's their values that make them Apple. They don't really have a campaign vehicle as such, do they? They don't have right. a, a gecko or something like that. So um, I think they, but you can recognize it very quickly, that aesthetic of, you know, the minimalism and then, you know, a bit of color and, and, and so on. So I do really admire Apple. But then at the other extreme, I love a brand like Patagonia um, that, that maybe don't, I guess, don't do advertising as such, but almost like everything they do is an advertisement of sorts. You know, they might, whether it's stitching yeah. a little message about the election into, into the pockets of their clothes, and that, that's mm -hmm. an ad um, just as much as a billboard would be. So I think they're, they're smart the way that they they do that kind of thing. I love Spotify. That's another good example um, yeah. of, of a brand where um, they've used data, you know, the kind of Spotify unwrapped stuff mm. um, where they tell you at the end of the year what you've been listening to. And, and they, they do do advertising about that as well, which is fun. But I think just the basic idea of, um, of, of, of analyzing your data in a cool and creative way is in itself advertising in, in, a, in a sense. Um, I think that's the interesting thing about the last few years. Now, advertising is a really broad term. It can be all sorts of things. It can be a lay, you know, it can be a shoelace. It can be a label yeah. in someone's clothes. It can be a product. It can be a testimonial. It can be all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be a TV commercial, does it? No, it, uh, you're right. But what is brand nowadays? Yeah, brand. Well, branding is, I guess, about. Um, it's about having, a, you know, I guess a position in people's minds. I was saying branding. There's an old phrase. It's, I can't remember who said it first. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room, uh, and probably it's not all that much. Uh, it's nice, <laughs> that isn't it? You know, what, what do people say about when you're not in the room? And I guess it's right. like if we went to the nearest bar uh, and said, you know, what do you think about Apple? You know, they're not going to use the same words that we might have on a on a chart or a brand pyramid or. You know, but they'd and they probably wouldn't know that much about it, even for a brand as famous as Apple. But they might say something like, "Oh, they're really kind of creative. They are stylish. They've got really mm. amazing technology. They're still pretty cool. They've been, you know, they're, they're going to come up. You're going to come up with that sort of stuff, and that's really what a brand is. And then I think the other thing is it's about. I think there's a better understanding now that brands are about actions. Like when I started in this um, industry, and maybe you were the same. Like they. We used to talk a lot about, you know, it's it's the well, we'd call it the communications industry, right? You know, yeah. it's about yeah, but I think I think now we increasingly realize that brands are about what they do, kind of more than what they say, because we know like if 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 you're doing one thing and saying another, then you're gonna get found out nowadays. So I think um you can't really hide behind having a really cool, glossy advertising campaign or yeah ad or logo i mean no it's great that's yeah. a great point i love i love the way you put it where it's it's what people are going to say about you when you leave the room so i, I think that's a great point um one, you know, one thing you know, one, 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 sorry uh, one of the things i do is that whenever i first start working brand i look before i get my head clouded by you know the research documents and what the client tells me and all the rest of it i go on to like social media like on to there's really snarky bits of like Reddit or on Twitter or I put in a look for it, cartoons about the brand on, on Google images, because I think cartoons and things like that are jokes. There's always a truth in them, you know, and that's 50% truth on all jokes. 
50% truth in all jokes. So, so, so you find out what is, what do comedians say about this brand is because the, their joke won't work unless there's a bit of truth in it. So, so that's always like really revealing and it's, and it's sometimes like a bit of a reality check for the client when you kind of say, well, yeah. you, this is what you tell us the brand's all about, but this is what people actually say about you. That, that's a good um, point. Uh, you, you mentioned Reddit and some of these social, other social sites. And, and my question to you is, um, because let's just say when we got into the industry years and years ago, um, the only so, the closest thing we got to social was MySpace, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, but then now, I mean, how much has social media changed creative, right? And, and also the, the distribution of it. I mean, how, how much? I mean, you think of that Super Bowl ad for the last Super Bowl. I mean, it had millions of views before we even saw the concert. But, I mean, how much has social media changed uh, creative? Yeah, I think it's sort of, um, th there are obviously some some major changes in the way that we, um, you know, sort of uh, the different places that we can get our message across. But also the fact that you can, if you create something good enough, people will, um, will, will spread your idea for you. Um, yeah. in, in a weird way, I kind of, I go back to this, Thing that Bill Burnback said, you know, back in the 50s, you know, the great godfather of American advertising said, um, you know, we think too much about change. And what we don't think enough about is what hasn't changed, you know, the sort of uh, the basic human motivators that have been here since, you know, the the year, you know, the, the beginning of the world sort of thing, because they're all yeah. still the same, right? I mean, like, we right. want to feel loved, feel respected, we want to feel part of a community, we want to aspire, we want to dream, you know, and, and actually, I guess social media, just allows us new ways to do you you got to not forget that because like I've, i don't know if you're the same but you i read a lot about people saying oh it's changed everything and you know like mm -hmm. for instance gen z don't listen to you know they've got no attention span and um you've got to make everything work in six seconds for them and i i get that you know there might be some truth to some degree in that but but then why are the people who are most interested are most excited by the ads coming on the younger people and so i feel like um there's there's a sort of a lot of you know sometimes we overestimate change when we could be also thinking about what hasn't changed in basic human sort of emotions wow. let's talk about go luck yourself did you ever think like you were an author or, or were you just like okay i have to brain dump and i gotta go do this right now yeah, the, the funny thing about the book was I, I didn't really think of myself as a book. Actually, this shows me, which shows how terrible at predicting things I am. I probably shouldn't admit this, but when the lockdown began, I thought, well, first of all, I'm going to, it's not going to take very long. It might take a couple of weeks. Um, and secondly, I'm going to be really bored to do. And maybe I should get, you know, try something like writing a book. And, mm -hmm. and of course, I was completely wrong because it went on for two years. And and obviously, we've all been working harder than we've ever worked. So yeah, it was a stupid absolutely. idea to write. It's a <laughs> completely stupid. But, but by that stage, it was too late because I'd sort of uh, committed to doing it with a publisher. And I had an editor on my back saying, where's my chapters? Where's my chapters? So, and, and maybe that's a good thing because it, it makes you, you know, sometimes you need a deadline, don't you? They're um, pushing you through I, it. Yeah, they pushed me through yeah. it. And I... So it took a global pandemic to make me write this book. Um, but I, I kind of liked it because, you know, I've, I feel like I've had a really lucky life, um, a really lucky career. And um, but I kind of I was really aware that a lot of people didn't have it so lucky the last couple of years. And a lot of the yeah. big stories of the world, I think, touch on luck, you know, things like, you know, Black Lives Matter or Me Too. 
Um, you know, the idea of privilege and while it was tempting to sit at home because of the pandemic thing, oh, I've been so unlucky. Um, I kind of thought, no, I, actually so many people have had it much less lucky than me. So I wanted to write a book about luck that could bring some luck to others. So the, the big thing in the book is that all the, the royalties go to um, help, uh, it's an organization that helps working class kids get a lucky break into the industry. Mm-hmm. So I like a bit of karma that, um, you know, can write about the role of luck in building a brand because I really think that does play a role and then that might bring a bit of luck to other people and that that was a nice way to sort of get myself out of the um the pandemic blues and uh you know not feel yeah. so sorry for myself I guess man Andy I I enjoyed our conversation man I really do man yeah, um, I, I, I really appreciate it. Great I, chat. I got to make sure I, I follow up on you, so I'll probably send you something on LinkedIn so we can stay connected, and I can follow some of that awesome work that you're continuing to do, man. So, uh, and hopefully you do the same, and we can, uh, you know, stay connected across the pond. How about that? Definitely. That sounds brilliant. I really appreciate you having me on. I've loved this chat, and let's uh, keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I want to thank all of our listeners for actually listening in to Mr. Andy. Andy, go ahead and give people uh, your website address and how they can find you in the Lucky Generals. How can they do that? Okay, so our um, website is pretty simple. It's luckygenerals.com. And the book, uh, Go Luck Yourself, is available in all the usual places, Amazon and pretty much, I guess, all the other usual uh, online bookstores and uh, that you might have in the States and elsewhere. So uh, yeah. Uh, thanks everyone. And stay lucky. <laughs> awesome. Andy, you've been an amazing guest, man. I look forward to staying in touch with you and we'll actually put those show notes and a link to your book inside of this on YouTube as well. Okay. That's fantastic. Thanks. Awesome. Andy, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. And this is the AdCast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to give us a five-star rating. 